Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Hey, hey, we're back. We're here, episode 252. I can't believe we're this far in. And we have not one, but two special guests today. Now, later on for our bonus content, you guys will get to hear from Alana McLaughlin. But joining us right now, we have our bro, Mookie Alexander is joining us. I am so happy. Yay! Mookie Alexander is here, and he's going to talk UFC 290. And we're going to use and abuse him for what he is absolutely perfect at, and that is talking boxing. Mookie, how are you? I'm doing all right. Well, as all right as can be, ladies and gentlemen, toothaches are not fun. I haven't had them. In a, in a long time, but this one is pretty bad. Um, but I can get through it. It's not causing like super, super immense pain that I can't get through the whole episode. But tell you what, USC 290, that's an outstanding card. I was going to say I can't wait to see it, but I'm going to miss the card live. Why? I, I, I'm, out of t- I'm out of town that week. And I, I won't be uh, e- even in my hotel room when the, when the fights are going on. So this is the first pay-per-view I'm going to miss in a long time. And of all the cards, why did it have to be this one? But what? at least I'll be around for, for 291 Poria Gaethje. Can we hmm. ask what, what you're doing that's taking precedence over a kick-ass card? I hope it's something awesome in life. Yes, I, I will be attending the USA Track and Field Championships. <gasps> you're uh, going! Are, yes, I am going. Um, hopefully I go all four just um the last three days but i plan to go all four days and the winners all qualify or at least the top three will qualify for the world's in hungary next month so i'm very much looking forward to that i went to eugene last year it's a really nice place can't wait to go back there again this week oh that's awesome you've been going for a long time to see those events so yay i love that victor how have you been i'm i'm excited now that i know that Mookie's gonna potentially go heckle Usain Bolt. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I think we, you know, he, he could use a, the, the friendly ribbing. I think that's nice. Um, I, yeah, it, it's been a super long week. A lot of um, home cleaning. I uh, had a bit of flooding last week. Uh, I had to replace the um, pump in the basement. It's It's been, I, I you'd think that having the week off from uh, most uh, commitments, you'd be okay. No, not really. No, there's no real rest for people like me in this world, and that's okay. I'm, I'm back on my feet, so yay. And Mookie's here, so I'm super happy anytime that happens. All right. Well, as we talked about, we are going to get into UFC 290. First, I do want to alert everyone to our standings. Now, last week, we... um. Well, we we all had a decent enough week. Um, Mookie and I went two and two. We picked Fakratinov and 
Um, well, Mookie picked Fakratinov and Strickland correctly. Bonfim and Ismagulov was incorrect. I picked Fakratinov and Dawson correctly, but I picked Bonfim and Magomedov incorrectly. And Victor picked Fakratinov, Saint-Denis, and Grant Dawson correctly. He only picked Magomedov incorrectly. So while Mookie and I went two and two, Victor went three and one. So the updated standings, Mookie and Victor are tied for number one at 53, 42, and one. And now I'm only five down at 48, 47, and one. Gentlemen, we have a killer card. I mean, there are a lot of good fights on this card. I have chosen seven for us to break down and pick. And we're going to start all the way at the very opening bout, at least according to topology. We are going by the, the topology order. So according to that, Jack Della Maddalena will be facing Josiah Harrell at 170 pounds. Gentlemen, I will start with Mookie. Now, as I understand it, Josiah Harrell in his last fight or one of his fights leading up to getting this late UFC call up, he threw a dude out of the cage mm -hmm. because the cage door was open. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So just on that alone, it'd be really cool if he repeated that. I mean, he's not going to do it against Jack Della Maddalena. <laughs> I mean, that dude is is a contender in the making. I mean, the way that he, he dispatched Randy Brown and showed he's more than just a knockout artist. He choked him out pretty quickly. Um, he, he had to weather a bit of a storm, I remember, against... Um, was it Ramazan Amiyev who, who might have had him uh, stunned a, a short period of time? But otherwise, his body work, his, his combination punching, it, it's all going to be a very tough task for, for Josiah Harrell to deal with on just day's notice. So I got to go with uh, JDM by, by TKO. He, he's going to keep it rolling. I think this dude is going to be a title challenger within the next year or so. Agreed. Victor. Yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck on the fact that you mentioned what a kick-ass card this is. The prelims have got straight fire. I don't want to get do. hung up on it too much, but <laughs> I, I'm just looking up and down here. Just the opener, Camuela Kirk versus Esteban Ribovics. Like, do we of these guys smell like a future champion? Not really. Is that an exciting fight? You bet. Mm. And then you get to this year. I mean, Jack, <laughs> Jack Della being on the prelims. Enjoy him while you can watch him for free because you're going to be paying a premium to see this motherfucker for a long time after this. Um, Harold, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't there's there's something about the caliber of opposition that doesn't sit quite right to me. And I'm not saying that Harold's been fighting bums far from it. It's just that there's a different kind of opposition. And Jack has been putting guys away in different ways and punishing dudes with that volume, with that slick boxing deterring wrestlers and being capable on the ground to defend and be able to spring back up. And when you get a guy who is not wasting too much time on his back and he's good at tuning you up standing, that's going to be a problem. And I don't know that Harold really has it though. I mean, it would be a massive upset if he did, but I, I don't really see that happening, at least not right now. So I'm going with Jack. All right. Well, I am also going with Jack and it's because he's a badass. How about that? <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to cushion my picks off of your breakdowns because I'm a cheat like that today. I don't feel good, so I'm a cheat that way. All right. <laughs> next up, we have Tatsuro Taira. He's taking on Edgar Charez. He was supposed mm -hmm. to take on I believe Bruno Ferreira. Is that right? 
That was who he was supposed to fight last time, and and um, his opponent fell out, and so he got moved to this card, and he got a new opponent. So Mookie, yeah. I'm going to start with you. Yeah, a new opponent who who lost his final contender series at mm-hmm. that too. Um, Tyre is a really crafty guy on the ground. Um, man, this this card is just so deep. Even though there are a lot of uh, blank Wikipedia pages on the prelims, there there are enough fighters that. People probably recall from from other shows mm-hmm. where this is a worthwhile event from start to finish. And yeah, we've we've been moaning a bit. Hi, Sean Shelby, if you're listening, about some of these um, UFC cards and even the Strickland card last weekend wasn't interesting on paper. Ended up being pretty fun, uh, but this card is just guaranteed to be exciting. It's a catch weight at 130 pounds, mm-hmm. understandably given the the nature of this contest. But I think Tyra is going to uh, get a, a submission win. Victor. I feel bad for my boy Edgar, man. I, I kind of feel like they're feeding him, you know. It's, when you when you bring a guy, listen. We all know what the game is here, okay? We all know that Dida is a has the potential to be a superstar. He's clearly worked super well as a prospect. You bring this dude in last minute, mm, yeah, I don't like it. At least it's at one thirty, so that's kind of nice, but. Uh, I, I love Edgar. I hope he does his best out there. I don't have much of an expectation uh, that he's going to do that well. I think that uh, Dida's probably going to tune him up. All right. I agree. I am going with Tetsuro Taira. Now, I have lied. I said seven fights, but I just added an eighth fight <clears throat> because I forgot this one was on here. Listen, this isn't ranked, but it's going to be so good. Yasmin Warigi versus Nisi Gomez, my or Gomes. Whoo, my goodness. That's a fight and a half right there. And we're gonna pick that one. I'm gonna take Warigi, but you know what? This could go any which direction, but I'm taking Warigi. I love that girl. Yeah, this is a great fight. I'm I I very much like uh, Yasmin Yarigui, especially when I saw her debut against um, what thinks her name Yasmin Lucindo, mm-hmm. Lucindo rather. And she's just a fireball, and she really throws a conviction. Um, and she just got a TKO in her last fight against Estela Nunes. So um, Denise Gomes, yeah, this is going to be a, a real firefight. I expect a high pace, but I think Yarigui is going to have the uh, the slight advantage in power. I think she's going to be able to land a bigger, more telling shots and get. A really entertaining decision win. Indeed. Victor. Yeah, I'm hmm, that's a tough one because I think that Yasmin's probably got uh, more movement and output to make this a bit of a problem. But Denise, uh, she probably packs more power. Uh, mm-hmm. She's going to get Yasmin in trouble early with some of those kicks, I think, you know, and start really setting the pace from there. But I, I guess you, I kind of got to go with Yasmin. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. All right. Now, <clears throat> Y'all know how much I love Robbie Lawler. He's my favorite fighter on this planet to this day. But we are not picking this fight. I cannot do it. (laughs) I am not picking Robbie Lawler (laughs) against Nico Price. We're just not going to do that. So we are going to move forward to Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. Mookie, get us rolling. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I think it's a greater test of where Dan Hooker is at this stage of his career. Because you know what, Turner, you might have lost to Gamrot, but Gamrot is a damn good fighter, and that was a very competitive fight. Mm-hmm. And leading up to that, Turner looked outstanding against Josh Kulabau and Brock Weaver and Yurosh Medic, but it was the Jamie Malarkey and Brad Riddell mm-hmm. stuffings back-to-back, especially what he did to Brad Riddell. He was, he was gone in under a minute. He is so big for the weight class. And then we realized that Hooker is, what, two fights removed 
from that brutal decision to go to featherweights and Arnold Allen, who doesn't really stop anybody, um, was able to just tear through him in, in a couple minutes. Now, against Claudio Puez, I mean, that fight was a joke. Mm-hmm. And not because of Hooker. Hooker's a great fighter, but Puez just took us on a time machine back to like 20 years ago mm. with his style of fighting. That was a very unserious performance. Jalen Turner is not going to be just spamming <laughs> pulling guard or trying to spam heel hooks or anything like that. He is going to be looking to go strike for strike with Hooker. He's going to have, I think, a, a physicality advantage on him too. And I just wonder about Hooker's punch resistance these days because that Poirier fight was grueling. He got stopped by Chandler. He got stopped by Arnold Allen. Um, so I, I think that Turner... The fact that he's got so much speed in addition to that power and the ability to just lock onto to submissions that quickly, too, as he did against uh, Malarkey, I believe that Turner's on the rise and Hooker is just starting his descent at the age of 33. So I'm picking Jalen Turner here. Victor. I'm also worried about Hooker. Um, shit, I mean, I, I he's still got it, but... When you get somebody who's on the come up and who's just kind of buzzsawing his way the way that Turner's been doing, man, yikes. I, that, that loss to Gamrot says more about Gamrot than it does about Turner, so I'm not going to hold that against him. Whereas Hooker, I'm not quite sure, really. Like, I, I think this might be fight of the night, but I I got to go with Turner, and it pains me to say it. Man. It's like people that I really like being put in bad situations, man, that's not that's not cool. I, I don't. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Turner, have been for a long time. Um, I'm picking Jalen Turner. That dude's a super athlete. I I love watching him fight. So, yep, Jalen Turner for me. All right. This fight right here is maybe the most interesting, in my opinion, on the entire card. And that's Robert Whitaker versus Dricus Duplessis, as Victor taught me. (laughs) Did I say it right, man? You did. You All did. right. So, yeah, I have been on the fence with this fight since they announced it. I have gone back and forth no less than 20 times. Victor, I'm going to start with you this time. Yeah, Bobby Knuckles. That's it. That's Loki. that's all I got. I got Bobby Knuckles. I mean, really, I, I, I could go further. I don't really think I need to. All right. Mookie. I'm not on the fence on this one. I'm picking Whitaker. I am just astonished that Duplessis' game even works. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it work? He mm-hmm. looks exhausted every every time he fights, like two minutes in, and yet he he just lays beatings on people. But this may be a step too far against Bobby Knuckles. Like, against Derek Brunson, yeah, he, he beat the hell out of him, and he forced the rare throw in the towel uh, stoppage from, from Brunson's corner, but he got tagged a bunch there. Mm-hmm. Um, he even forced an entertaining fight out of Darren Till up until – no pun intended there. Darren inevitably just couldn't stop takedowns to save his life, and he got tapped out with a face crank. But no doubt that Duplessis, his unorthodox style is dangerous because, I mean, look at his record. He's got 19 wins. 18 of them are finishes. So Whitaker has been cracked before. We've seen him stop by Adesanya. We've seen him hurt by Cannoneer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and, and, of course, way back when he was a welterweight, he got stopped by Wonderboy. But I'm only going to focus on, on mm-hmm. what's happened at middleweight. Obviously, he had to survive a lot of punishment in the second Romero fight. So I, at some point, that's going to wear on him. But he looked great against Marvin Vittori. Um, he looked pretty good against Adesanya in their rematch. He just came up a little bit short, and he got dropped in that fight, too, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is just so disciplined with the way he fights at his best, because the first Adesanya fight, he wasn't. But at his best, 
that right hand, his ability to throw that hook, the fact that he is so hard to take down, I just think that Whitaker is too skilled for Duplessis to kind of <laughs> Homer Simpson his way to victory, super Homer Simpson his way to victory. So I'm picking Whitaker by knockout. All right. Well, I have written down Whitaker here because I pit made all of my picks before we started. The only problem I have with Whitaker is that Cannoneer fight. I cannot stop going back to it because he allowed Cannoneer to come back in the third round and land on him so much that it staggered him. And if that fight had gone on and had been five rounds, I don't know that he would have won. So I, yes, I agree 100% with your assessment of Drikas, but he does have some power and he does have his moments. I'm going to pick Robert Whitaker, but even though I cannot stand Rikus Duplessis, I cannot stand anything that comes out of his mouth, basically. I, um, I, I recognize there's something there. I don't know what it is, and it is chaotic, but there is something there. I'm going to take Whitaker, but um, I would not be <laughs> shocked if something wild happened and Whitaker I'll, did I'll tell not. You, I'll tell you what that feeling is. It's the fact that he packs crazy power and he's got some uh, moments un, uncannily uh, sharp finishing instincts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is definitely a shark in chummed waters. There is no doubt about that. He has that instinct. Some guys don't. He does. So, And, and he's dangerous even when tired. Like even yes. Brad Tavares took a ton of punishments. Mm-hmm. He clearly was gassed in the Brunson fight, but he, he still landed some big shots. So Whitaker is going to have to be honest. So he's going to have to be cognizant of Duplessis' offense at all times, even when it looks like he, he he's like ready to collapse due to total exhaustion, like it's Houston Alexander Kimball slice all over again. Um, but I just feel like at some point he can't keep getting away with this, right? <laughs> and I think Robert Whitaker is probably that step up that's going to make that line in the sand too. All right, next up we have Bo Nickel taking on Trajan Gore in his sophomore effort. Mookie, I'll start with you. Yeah, Bo Nickel in about a minute. I mean, Agreed. seriously, Trajan Gore, I, I, he's pretty inexperienced himself in terms of his, his UFC career. And I can't remember him having too many pro fights when he, before he even got into tough. So this is a, a boxing type of boxing prospect type of matchmaking we're getting here where you put Bo Nickel on the pay-per-view, just like you did with the Jamie Pickett fight, and you build up his name. And no doubt, he is a blue-chip prospect. He is that talented. Um, and Trayshawn Gore is probably going to get a- absolutely blasted out as soon as he's taken down. He's either going to get submitted or he's going to get knocked out. Victor. <clears throat> I have to agree. Uh, Trayshawn Gore, a very talented guy, very um, interesting athlete, very uh, good fighter. Yeah, there's levels, man. We just that's it. It's it's not. It, it, he's just not there. All right. You know the matchmaking on these cards has been enough where that we have all picked the same exact fighters all the way through. Let's see if it continues when we get to the co-main event: Brandon Moreno, Alessandra Pantoja. This is um, this is a rematch, but it could be considered a rubber match, couldn't it? Didn't they have a fight a long, long time ago, too? As like a, what was it? Hang on. It was on Tough. It's not a rubber match because uh, Pantoja won both. But it is a trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. That's what it is. That's right. So this is a trilogy fight. 
and Pantoja's won two of the three. Will he win the third? Look. Oh, you all you, you all know I'm a massive Alessandra Pantoja fan. And he is a two to one underdog in this fight. And I can understand it because Brandon Moreno, since losing the second fight to Pantoja, that's five years ago. And remember how how surprising it was that he got cut. That was mm-hmm. kind of at the that window when it looked like the USC was going to get rid of flyweight. Mm-hmm. So he went to LFA and then he came back on short notice and he, he really hasn't looked back. And it's just good to see Moreno fighting somebody other than Davis at Figueredo. Mm-hmm. He's just fighting somebody he's fought twice before instead. Um, but let's be real. Moreno has improved leaps and bounds with his offensive striking. He's a little more defensively responsible. Um, we know that in scrambles, he, he can be absolutely wild and, and just so connected with his game. But Pantoja, he, it, it's a difficult matchup for him. I had to go back and watch both fights. The second fight, which was just a proper three-round fight, not um, two rounds, like, like in tough, Pantoja really dominated him. I mean, Pantoja's striking is not the cleanest you'll ever see, but he was landing powerful shots, and he, he was able to outgrapple him too. Moreno just couldn't deal with him. The leg kicks were a massive problem for Moreno in that fight. And in the first fight, it was a little more back and forth that Pantoja had Moreno hurt with, with a hard knee and I think a couple elbows. And then in a scramble, I think he took him down and he, he was able to get a rear naked choke. So there was something about Pantoja's game that I'm wondering if Moreno just has a hard time figuring him out like Pantoja did have losses to Askarov and, and Figueredo guys who who can be superior physically I think are going to be a problem for Pantoja anyway but in terms of his his back takes and the fact that he does pack a punch as as Moreno knows all too well I'm leaning towards Pantoja to to make it three for three I I, I mean this is a styles makes fights uh, makes fights sort of situation where I think Pantoja knows how to pressure Moreno smartly. He knows how to win exchanges and then get out of harm's way. And if he can continue that leg kick success from their second fight, that's a way to hamper Moreno's movement. And uh, man, to me, the, the main event is is outstanding, but the co-main event is more, much more likely to be competitive. And it could be a fight of the year contender, mm-hmm. not just fight of the night. So you are going with Pantoja. Yes, I'm going and new. And new. Victor. Yeah, I don't have that kind of faith in, in <laughs> Pantoja. I, I think I think this is going to be a banger. I think it's going to be an, another sensational fight. I just think that they're not the same guys that they were in the past and that Brandon's going to probably figure it out this time. No, I, I don't know. I just get that impression. I, and no, nothing scientific here. I'm just winging it. I'm going to go with uh, going to go with Assassin Baby keeping it. Also, there, there's a couple of factors that we need to look at here. Mookie, when you were going through his record, did you notice anything about his record, Pantoja's? Did you notice that he's been fighting since fucking 2007? Yeah, and, and that's insane because is, it feels like he's, he's just, a, he's 33. So, yeah, I mean, he's he been fighting as a since teenager. he was 17. That's a long, long time. That's how old Mookie is. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Okay. So I look at that. Marino didn't start for another four years later. So I'm going Brandon Marino. Um, The other factor here is Brandon Marino's holding a belt right now. And I think that's going to make him fight differently in this one. Uh, He's I don't think he's going to allow a third. And if he does, I'm going to be so upset. But I'm going to take Brandon Marino here. All right, we get to the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. This is a good damn fight. I am looking forward to it. 
Victor, I'm going to start with you this time. I want to pick Yair because despite the fact that, no, we're not related, but but I, I do uh, I, I do have a lot of respect for his technique and his ability. Um, you know, there there is some something here that's being overlooked. It's the fact that he is the fifth Mexican on this card with the addition of Edgar Chaitis. So, uh, you know, generally what happens is you stack those stats and you get a buff at 20 percent offense. So that means that, you know, having the Mexicans all together, you know, you 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 get something. They become more powerful. It's it's science. Just trust me on this. OK, uh, no, I'm going to go with Volkanovsky. I think he's just. He's he's hit his stride. He's in his like, you know, at the apex of his evolution. He does everything so, so well. He's just going to have to be very mindful here because, yeah, he can pull a rabbit out of a hat on demand, you know. So um, he's not afraid to be reckless because he knows that he can, you know, get himself out of bad situations. But you don't want to do that against Volkanovsky. And I just sorry, I'm just too big a believer in Alexander's ability and skill. I, I, I can't go against that. Lucky. Yeah. Um, so I picked an Alessandra in the co-main event to be a champion. I, I should pick Alexander to defend his title. We get the Alexander slash Alessandra double belt night. But yeah, I'm going to go with Volkanovski, but I also feel like the odds on this one. R- Rodriguez is plus 350. Oh, no. So it should be much I th- closer. I think it could be closer now. With Rodriguez, him having a height advantage of Volkanovski, it doesn't mean much because Volkanovski just clown Max Holloway and Holloway and Rodriguez are both 5'11". The reach advantage, Rodriguez will have, I think, uh, a reach disadvantage, actually. So uh, with Volkanovski, his boxing is is absolutely superb. I mean, what he showed in the Makachev fight, too. He might have lost it, and some people might even believe that he he, he won the fight, but his strength is, is absolutely phenomenal. The, the fact that he, he lost that fight was ironically because I think Makachev outstruck him, mm-hmm. but he outwrestled Makachev. Um, against Rodriguez, there is one problem for Yair, and I, I brought this up on Twitter while it's still working, barely. <laughs> uh, so people brought it up to, to, to me on Twitter, rather. Yair's takedown defense, his wrestling defense is still a liability. Mm-hmm. And Volkanovski might not be a guy who's going to just spam takedowns, but if he feels like it's getting a little too uncomfortable on the feet, he can switch things up and, and put Yair on his back. Now, Yair can be a crafty grappler. We, we, we know um, what he did to Brian Ortega's arm. Or, or was it his shoulder? Shoulder. He, yeah, he, he messed up his shoulder. Um, but I think Yair, having fought Ortega himself, he's going to be cognizant of, of what Yair can do um, from his back. I mean, he triangle choked Josh Hammond in his last fight. One difference between Yair and Holloway is that Yair has got better kicks and more powerful kicks. And that's going to be fascinating to me because the way that Rodriguez beat up on Emmett, it was the knees and kicks, especially to the body that tired Emmett out and, and had him hurt. And that set up the strikes to the head. So I can see a path to victory for Yair standing where he can catch Volkanovski with some absolutely wild shot and, and just have him in a world of trouble. But Volkanovski still the better overall fighter. Rodriguez is insanely durable, but Volkanovski is an offensive machine himself. He's really good at, at, at timing his shots, and especially on the counter, he's brilliant. I think Volkanovski is going to win a decision, but it's going to be fraught with danger for as long as it lasts. I, I am so much looking forward to this fight. They're going to call this unification because it's champ versus interim champ. I don't really care about that stuff. I just know that this is an outstanding fight to make, and whoever wins this, I am not opposed because last time I was on, we were picking what Emmett and uh, Taporia. I'm not opposed to the winner of this this fight fighting Taporia next. 
Oh, I love that. That's a wonderful idea. Um, I'm also going to pick Volkanovsky. He's better. End of story. All right. That's going to wrap up our UFC 290 picks. What I want to do right now is I am going to pick Mookie's brain. And Victor, by all means, jump in anytime you want. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is your favorite guy, Oleksandr Usyk. What is going on over there with Tyson Fury and why did that fall apart? It was looking so good there for a minute. Whack, whack. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Usyk. I know, I know. Look, look, Fury is an unserious, <laughs> unserious human being. When it comes to his retirement threats and unretiring, and then maybe he'll box Francis Ngannou. So Eddie Hearn, I believe, said that they're trying to do a Fury versus Ngannou exhibition match. I think from a money standpoint, um, that's what Fury wants, just to box Ngannou and, and even in an exhibition, because that's more likely to, to sell than Fury versus Usyk, which is insane to think about, because this would be for the undisputed heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. I would rather Fury just vacate his title. If he's not going to fight like actual heavyweight contenders, let alone Usyk, yeah, if he's not going to fight actual heavyweight contenders. Please stop holding the belt hostage. But in the meantime, I guess Usyk is probably going to fight Daniel Dubois, who who's a mandatory challenger. And Dubois is a good fighter, but he's also not in Usyk's league. And it sucks that Usyk is kind of being jerked around like this because he is not a guy who shies away from anybody. And the fact that it's very likely he won't be fighting until the end of the year. I mean, his last fight was a, a last August, the the, the second Joshua fight. So we're approaching a year in between fights. And for a guy who's not a spring chicken, that really sucks, even at heavyweight. So I'm hoping that we can get Usyk versus Fury at some point, but I'm not banking on it. And what's the problem is that absent that fight, it's not like there are a lot of other fights that you want to see Usyk in at heavyweight. Usyk against Wilder, I guess for the one-off chance that Wilder can land a haymaker, but otherwise it's a total boxing mismatch. Yeah. We've already seen Usyk beat Joshua twice, and then the up-and-coming heavyweights are still a good ways away from from ever being a true contender. So um, I know I, I'm the world's number one Usyk fan, or maybe number two if you if you uh, consider Conor Rebush and some of the, <laughs> the, the fight side guys. But yeah, I, I just want to see Usyk against the best. But Fury is denying me that fun. Were you pissed off when you saw... Usyk bend over backwards and accept a 70-30 cut only for Fury to decline it again when he was the one that set that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that made it abundantly clear who who doesn't want to fight whom. Exactly. Now, we, we get into the weeds as far as boxers and, or combat sports fighters in general ducking other combat mm-hmm. sports fighters. But in this case, it's I, I think one. we can make it clear. It is a true duck. And it's and it's not like Fury has got no shot against Usyk. He's got a, a really good chance to beat him just on his his own boxing skill and his size alone. But for some reason, he does, doesn't want that smoke. And I say for some reason, he, he wants career paydays for increasingly easier fights. Like that Chisora fight last year. Mm-hmm. Give me a fucking break. Yep. That, that fight should have never been made. The Dillian White fight was barely acceptable. The Chisora fight was a straight up insult. We never needed to see yeah. that again. And if I'm top rank, I'm wondering, what have I got myself into? Signed with top rank, and you got two warm-up fights to set up the second Wilder fight. Then you get the third Wilder fight. And since then, it's just been shoulder shrug time. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Canelo Alvarez, because, boy, did he just poke Eddie Hearn in the eyeballs when he signed with PVC. $100 million deal. Mookie, break it down. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, let's just say that Matchroom's desire or Eddie Hearn's desire to take over the U.S. market is not going particularly well at the moment. <laughs> now, I want to make it clear. He's still got some outstanding fighters on the lighter weight classes. I know he just signed Regis Progre, who then mm -hmm. proceeded to stink the place out in yes. his last fight, uncharacteristically. Um, but Bam Rodriguez, he is a phenomenal fighter. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see him against Sonny Edwards. So Hearn knows the smaller weight class market. I think one of his biggest credits is the fact that he is willing to have them in headlining fights and in areas where they're going to draw a good crowd. But the big stars, he hasn't really landed them other than Canelo, and now he doesn't have Canelo. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting. He said not every Canelo fight, or he just about indicated, some of these Canelo fights have been a money loser for the zone. Mm -hmm. Well, no shit. Because Canelo versus John Ryder isn't moving me at all. Yeah. So PBC is where he's going to have the, the the absolute best fights. App, you know, short of if he were to co-promote and, and go to top rank just one time to fight Better Beef. But I don't think he wants Better Beef. And I also think Better Beef beats him. Now, the PBC side here is the total surprise. I thought that Canelo was going to fight Jamal Charlo. Yeah, he's going to fight Jamal. Oh, man, I like that a lot better. Uh, when I saw that, I thought there was a one. I thought it was a fake account, and mm -hmm. part of that is because the blue check mark bullshit mm -hmm. has has totally confused me. Um, but the other part is Jermel is is a 154 pound fighter, mm -hmm. and he's going up two weight classes. Now, to be fair, it's not like Canelo is some career super middleweight. Jermel is going to have a height and reach advantage mm -hmm. on Canelo, but he's not used to fighting at 168, so that is going to be something to monitor from a marketing standpoint. I think Jamel is a better Charlo twin anyway. Yeah. But also you can advertise this is an undisputed junior middleweight champ going up two weight classes to fight undisputed super middleweight champ who's one of the top stars in the, in the entire sport, if not the top star. So it's a genius move to me on PBC side. It's interesting that Canelo won't have, have his usual Mexican Independence Day weekend because the UFC took that. They took the T-Mobile Arena to do Shevchenko and Grasso and not on pay-per-view. Right. So I was a little surprised Canelo ended up moving off that day. But still, Showtime is, is having a hell of a year mm -hmm. to, to get Tank versus Garcia, to get you-know-what on July 29th, and then <laughs> to get Canelo versus Jamel Charlo. Even if you – for the casual fan, I think this is going to draw people in just to see the curiosity of whether this fight's going to be competitive. And the way Canelo looked against John Ryder, I don't rule out that Jamel can give Canelo a tough fight even though this is not in his weight class. Yep. Agreed. Um, Canelo versus Bivol, the rematch. That can't happen now, right? That has to happen after what? Uh, in 2025? He's got yeah, three. And, and ditto for if they wanted him to fight Berlanga, right? Yeah, that Berlanga fight. That's <laughs> Eddie Hearns and Berlanga's pipe dream. Berlanga is not that good. <laughs> I know. And it, it looked good. He looked good, rather. Those first few years when he was on ESPN, especially in, when Top Rank was still doing the bubble and he was just mowing, mowing everybody down in the first round. And then they give, gave him not even increasingly tougher competition, just moderately tougher. And not only is he not getting the knockouts, he's looking like a very unpolished fighter. So other than trying to restoke the Mexico versus Puerto Rico rivalry, there's no market for that fight. Um, Canelo versus Bivol, too. I think it's in Canelo's best interest not to fight Bivol again. Because Bivol would, would tear him up again. Uh, so on the PBC side, I would think he would fight Jamel Charlo this year. And then if he wins, maybe fight the other Charlo next year. It's very dependent on Jamal's, quote, personal issues. But I think the last fight of his deal could very well be David Benavides. And that fight, if Benavides keeps his end of the bargain, if we get Canelo versus Benavides, mm -hmm. that could be a real action fight. Mm -hmm. And for all we know, 
a potential changing of the guard mm -hmm. because David Benavides is an exciting fighter. And if he can not miss weights, not get into trouble outside the ring, he, he is a dude that people are going to be, be tuning in to watch regularly. And him against Canelo is probably the best fight you can make at 168 at the moment. Yeah. I'm no. just disappointed that Canelo, every time, whether it's Mexican Independence Day or not, you know, when you're fighting close to one of those major Mexican holidays, or at least Mexican-American, grow a big Mexican mustache. Lean into the theme as hard <laughs> as you can. It's a marketing opportunity, just leaving money on the floor. I don't like it. Yeah, it's right there. I mean, think about his in, his ring walks. I think the one he had against Ryder, that was so cool. Yeah, it was. And, and then, of course, he's had the mariachi ring ring walks. I mean, it's it's a, still a special atmosphere when Canelo fights, and it probably will be on uh, on September 30th. But, yes, it, it's a definite uh, L for Eddie Hearn that now he, he's running out of big names to put on zone, And that's a problem for zone too, because Golden Boy and Matchroom combined don't really have too many future pay-per-view stars. And that brings me to my next topic, Golden Boy. Specifically, Oscar De La Hoya's very, very public feud and subsequent lawsuit against Ryan Garcia. Break it down for us, Mucky. I guess it's another uh, breach of contract sort of situation. This looks kind of similar to the Canelo mm -hmm. lawsuit. Yeah. And th this is a bad sign for Golden Boy that he is kind of the, the, the successor in terms of the number one star for, for Golden Boy. Mm -hmm. And now this is a double whammy because not only... Are we dealing with this lawsuit? Are they dealing with this lawsuit? He is coming off a, a knockout loss to Tank Davis, which it shouldn't drop his stock. But we know that fight fans can be a little bit fickle when anybody loses even one time. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to potentially tie up Ryan in, in the long term. And I wonder about Golden Boy's future because, yes, they still have some good fighters. Virgil Ortiz is fighting this weekend on the same night as 290. Are, are they going to pivot to Virgil? <sighs> because the problem with pivoting to Virgil is at 147, all the best fighters are over at PVC, uh, PBC. Yep. So it, it, Oscar's definitely in a bind, and maybe that's why he's been lashing out at Eddie Hearn and anybody anybody in his wake uh, <laughs> on Twitter on a regular basis. It's like, somebody, please, please pull Oscar back Wait, for his own good. Lonely Eddie. <laughs> his hashtag of Lonely Eddie kills me. <laughs> yes. Feuding in the middle of con um, the, the Berlanga Quigley fight. I mean, that, that was that was so childish and lame. <laughs> But I can't get over those lonely Eddie tags. That just makes me laugh. It's the one funny thing he's done in a long time. All right. Finally, we are going to get to what you've been waiting literally half your life for. Bud Crawford is finally going to finally going to get in there and mix it up with Errol Spence. You must be bursting at the seams right now. Yes, because I've been seeing the reports. I, I remember last year. Um, it, it, it looked like it was going to be close to a done deal. And then you see talks break down and then Crawford is fighting on, on some random service, uh, black prime, I think BLK prime or whatever it was called mm -hmm. against, uh, David Avanesian and Spence ends up not fighting the rest of the year. And we're thinking, all right, we've, we probably lost this fight for good. And then this year it's all right. They're in negotiations, but we know boxing, it can be such a big tease. And then when it actually happened, when they formally announced it, I am not the most agile guy in the world, but even I was willing to do a cartwheel <laughs> when I saw that news. July 29th is, is only three weeks and change away. I mean, this is such a monumental fight for the sport, and I just hope that it can deliver. I think it will deliver. 
Um, but with Spence, he's the one on the long layoff now. Because if they had booked this last year, then Crawford would have been on a, on a pretty lengthy layoff. But this time around, Spence hasn't fought since he beat your Dennis Ugas. Yeah. And that was over a year ago. Um, I think they got a two-fight clause, and the rematch would be at 154. And Spence, unlike Crawford, Spence definitely cuts a lot of weight to get to 147. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was still riding at Bloody Elbow, I, I can recall, I think it might have been the Kell Brook fight, where it was mentioned that both dudes cut from like 170-something. Good God. So Spence is going to have a a size advantage in there in just terms of his his, his weight. But in terms of the speed, I think Crawford's got the speed edge. And Spence gets his knockouts, but in a different way. He's a volume guy. Mm -hmm. He he, he drowns you with that jab, jab in your face, the body shots. He systematically breaks you down. Crawford can do that as well. But Crawford has got that one-shot knockout power that Spence doesn't really have. And there are so many ways this fight can just go totally off the rails in a good way where they're just going to be throwing some absolute bombs hoping to, to, to knock each other out. It's it could still be fascinating tactically, the adjustments, because the, the way Crawford fights, he's not going to go all out Hagler Hearns in round one. That's never been his style. And it really isn't Spence's style either. But as it heats up in rounds four five and six, it's going to build to a crescendo and the crowd is going to absolutely love it. And like I said, with Showtime, they're getting all the big pay-per-views this year. Mm-hmm. Lomachenko versus Haney was a great actual fight mm-hmm. and is a more relevant fight because it was actually for titles than Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. But this goes to show you that sometimes the belts don't mean anything in terms of the marketing stuff. Hint, hint to UFC. Um, Tank versus Garcia sold, what, 800,000 buys or it was yeah. close to a million? That's extremely impressive. Lomachenko Haney did like 100 some odd thousand or whatever Dan Raphael said. Spence versus Crawford, I think, can reach two million and more. And that would be a really impressive number considering one million and two million is generally reserved for Canelo and preceding him, Mayweather and Pacquiao. I would definitely give it a million. I would not put it anywhere near two million. I just don't see that happening, but I would definitely say it draws a million. I wonder if it if it can compete with Tank and Ryan. That was that was pretty much pinnacle. Yeah, and you could say that Tank is a bigger star than mm-hmm. and I would say Spence uh, Tank is a bigger draw than Spencer Crawford at this point. Um, but if you make the right fight, mm-hmm. two guys who are not super A sides can can turn into a, a, a mega matchup. So, well, you know what sucks? Well. well uh, let me backtrack a bit. The pay-per-view for Spence Crawford actually starts at 8 Eastern. Mm-hmm. And the UFC pay-per-view with Poirier and Gaethje 2 starts at 10 Eastern. Oh. Um, I've, I've taken a look at the undercard. I can see a couple of, of quick knockouts yeah. happening. So <laughs> I have a feeling that we'll be able to see Spence and Crawford before. in its entirety before Poirier and Gaethje have their rematch. And July 29th could be one of the greatest nights in combat sports history just for the sheer violence. That could be one of the greatest weeks in combat sports yeah. history because Noya Inoue and Stephen Fulton yes. are fighting in Japan that week, too. And it's in like Tuesday morning at, at 4 or 5 a.m. Pacific time. But still, I'm going to have ESPN Plus on to watch that when I get up mm-hmm. and just avoid all the spoilers. I mean, there's so much skill and talent and violence in that particular week. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it, it's really a fight fan's dream. So, yes, er, er, you can hear us whining about certain car qualities and some fights not getting made and fights that do get made. But when combat sports is on, it is unlike any other sport. Indeed. Indeed. Now, I'm going to ask you two quick questions. I got to get your pick on Noya Inouye and uh, Stephen Fulton. And then I want to get your pick on um, Bud and Errol. 
Yeah, with Inoue and Fulton, because Inoue is going up a weight class, I think his power can translate up to 122. Mm -hmm. Now, Fulton is not a powerful guy, but he is a really, really high-level boxer, and he's going to touch Inoue up. I think Inoue's got a, it, that speed to go along with that power. And the way that he breaks people down with body shots, mm -hmm. it, it, it is life-altering. And I, I only say that half-jokingly. The way that he can make people fold with liver shots at that weight class, at that size, mm -hmm. is truly prodigious stuff. So I think the monster is going to have some tough moments against Fulton. Um, it's going to be a lot of back and forth, and, and it's going to be a high-volume fight. But there's too much firepower coming back at Fulton for me to, to pick him to win. I, I think that anyway is going to get a, um, a late-round TKO. And from there, who knows what happens for with Inoue. I just want to see him back stateside. I mean, I, it's uh, easy to keep keep him in Japan where he's a, a superstar there and he's an icon of Japanese sport. But it feels like he could be a hit in, mm -hmm. in North America if Top Rank would promote him better. Yep. It doesn't have to be like a, in a 50-50 fight. It's just, hey, we promoted Manny Pacquiao. You may remember him being a star in the lighter weight classes all the way up until we fought at 154. We could do the same with Inoue. Yep. And they need to hurry up, too. You know, he's yes. been around for a while. They need to hurry up and, and get the ball rolling with him. I love him. He's fantastic. Let's talk about Bud and, and Errol Spence to wrap it up. Oh, man. I believe that the opening line for this was, was Spence as a slight favorite, and then it kind of flipped to Crawford late. Hmm. It really is 50-50. It, it, it's a cop-out, but it really is 50-50. I'm tempted to pick draw just so they could set up the rematch and everybody can complain, this fight is fixed, fuck boxing and this and that. And maybe that's what's going to happen. So if it does happen, clip that bit of audio out <laughs> and, and and have that as one of my shining moments post-Bloody Elbow career. You um, heard but, it here, for, here for, uh, You heard it here first, folks. Mookie Alexander, fuck boxing. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make that the headline that of the show. Mookie says, fuck boxing. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're going to have that on, on Make It a Quote on, on Twitter for, again, as long as it exists before everybody switches to Blue Sky. Mm. Um, I, I'm slightly leaning towards Crawford, even though he's going to be at a slight physical mismatch. But he can fight on the inside. Spence, I think, can is, is ruthless on the inside. But Crawford, I think, will have the edge if this is mostly an, an, an outfighting uh, situation. And he can counter with the best of them his timing his accuracy is absolutely lethal i think both guys will get stunned i don't think we'll see any knockdowns um but there's going to be enough action that people are going to leave satisfied i think crawford is going to take this one maybe eight rounds to four seven five seven five something like that but yes just wrap these guys in bubble wrap especially errol spence given his history with the detached retina and the car accident and everything just lock them away where they can't get hurt over the next few weeks so that we can enjoy this fight all right. Victor, would you like to make a pick now that you've heard Mookie talk all this stuff? Not really. No, <laughs> I'm going with whoever he's going with. <laughs> all right. Well, I right now where I sit, uh, I'm a diehard Crawford fan. I love Spence, too, but I, I, I'm taking Crawford. That's how I'm sitting right now. I'll probably um, do this again. We'll we'll. I don't know if Mookie can come back again, but we'll definitely be picking this, you know, at fight week and maybe we'll, we'll have changed our opinions by then. But as it stands right now, that's where we're sitting. So for all of you 
out there that are subscribers to our Substack, stick around because our exclusive interview with trans fighter Alana McLaughlin is up next. If you're not a subscriber, now is your chance. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.